Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Podcast humans, welcome to the world of independent music, punk and hardcore and indie rock and emo and whatever it is you want to call it. We are here to discuss with the people who are making it, documenting it, putting it out, all of those things. Thank you for downloading and listening to this particular podcast. And I know that just sounds like a routine intro, but thank you. I am pointing at you, even though I cannot see you. It's funny because I've been going to a few shows as of late and uh, meeting some people who are referencing some of their favorite interviews. And I love that because it's really, really cool that certain discussions resonate with you years after you may have like, interacted with it or listened to it. But more on that in a moment. I have to tell you about Kat Moss. She is the guest this week. She's the lead vocalist from Scowl who, if you've been living under a rock and not been paying attention to modern hardcore, as it were, uh, Scowl has been taking the world by storm. And I know that sounds like a <laughs> a journalist hyperbole or whatever, but they really have been. They've been out there playing shows. Uh, I have not been lucky enough to see them as of yet, but uh, I do plan on seeing them soon. I enjoy their recorded output. And uh, I wanted to have Kat on, so we did. And it was uh, it was very adorable. I want to say adorable because I just like it when people are nervous, <laughs> I guess, to like interview on a particular podcast. But uh, partially just because I get that nervous energy as well before I'm going to like log into a call and have a discussion with a person because I want it to go just as well as they want it to go. <laughs> so, anyways, all that to say, Kat is on the show this week, and you need to listen to Scal. You also can leave a review on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Spotify. Uh, Spotify only does stars. Or you can leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. They do reviews and stars. All of those things help legitimize this podcast in the eyes of humans who may not have listened to it as of yet. And uh, yeah, I would appreciate that. You also can email the show 100 words 
podcast at gmail.com. I get, it gets to me. I respond to you. You know, it's a, it's a fun way to interact. And if you've got guest ideas or whatever the case may be, always love to hear that. Um, yeah, let's, uh, I appreciate you checking out the two episodes I released last week. Uh, one of them was with Sergio Vega from Quicksand, and one of them was with Andrew Cannon from Santa Cruz Skateboards. Uh, it's fun to release bonus episodes when I can, and I will always aim to do that for you, the listener. Uh, you know, because we all need more stuff to listen to and consume, right? I mean, I only listen to like 450 podcasts a week, so what's 461, right? Anyways... Let's talk to Cat. Scal is out there doing the damn thing, releasing records, touring all over the place. And uh, yeah, Cat is a great chat. So that's what we are bringing to you. Here's Cat from Scal. I think for many, Scal came into the collective consciousness once the whole, you know, sort of NorCal gold tsunami scene started to pop off and then people were paying attention to what was like kind of, you know, happening in the water, so to speak. Was it interesting? Because I, I, I do find it when there are these kind of waves of bands coming from certain areas and all have, you know, generally speaking, started off uh, roughly at the same time it it does feel like there is you know momentum that is propelled by all of the bands kind of existing in that same scene did you i guess kind of feel that momentum as far as people paying attention to the collective scene and then obviously scowl individually or was it just kind of like you know head down i'm i'm just happy that anybody is even coming to our shows you know it it felt like we i, I think i've said this before but like it felt like we worked so hard for a long time on like at just putting the uh, San Jose and Santa Cruz, like part of the Bay area on the map. So there was a part of it that was like, holy shit, this is deserved, you know? Um, But there was also, there's also that kind of like surprise of like, I, I can't believe anyone is coming to my show or interested in my band or like, relates to it because I just didn't think that was possible. Sure. You know? Um, so it's, it's kind of felt like partially like this slap in the face, like overnight thing, but we did work really hard for it. If that makes any sense at all. I know that's like pretty contrasting, but it's hard to explain because as a scene, we worked really hard, but it felt like because of, the pandemic and the quarantine period that there was a lot of people who put eyes on us and, and found their favorite bands in the Bay area that we had never seen before that now that we have shows booked and, and happening, you know, post quarantine, these people are all here and and it does feel overnight. Um, I hope, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) You know, it does. And I, I think that a lot of that too, the the idea of you know working to kind of build a scene like that is something that is so uh, you know it gets overlooked a lot of the times i mean people do recognize it as far as like oh this is happening within a particular geographical area but now that the internet has flattened the world it's very difficult to be able to even pinpoint 
you know, where a band comes from just based on their sound alone. You know, it's not like you can be like, oh, like, yes, of course, Santa Cruz has a, you know, rich history of, you know, bands from that area. And so you can kind of typify it, but at the same time, it's not easy to do that. But you do need to have, to your point, that those boots on the ground of just like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, doing shows at the local VFW hall and the foreign yeah. A project and everything else that exists. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, not to sound like I, you know, not to sound like an old man, but um, there is kind of like a death of regional music with the internet and with like the internet catching on to like, say like the Bay area, like our, our sound coming out of the Bay area, like hardcore scene right now, it doesn't sound the same. Like every single band sounds different and has a different thing going on, which is really cool. But there's also like this thing that used to happen that I've, I've read about um, where like, you know, a certain scene would have bands sounding a certain way and you go across the country and it's different over there, but nobody really knows until that that's what's going on and until they tour over there. Right. Or that band comes and plays in your town. So we don't really have that anymore because of the internet, which is really cool in some ways. And, and like kind of it, depending on how you look at it um, can be negative, but I think it's really cool with the Bay because you have this like huge blend and the Bay already like culturally is just such a melting pot um, of talent and, and like people coming from all different walks of life. It's just kind of like the center of California. It's really cool. Yeah. And I think the, what you're talking about, the, you know, flattening of not understanding where people even are with a band that like you said, there are positives that come from that because, you know, people can literally not live anywhere near each other and come together and be able to form a band and be yeah. able to do something cool. But I I get excited when you do have bands that wave that flag, yeah. even though it doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, matter. It's not like you need to rep your city that hard <laughs> if but, you... Yeah. Don't like, but I mean, that that's why I think it, it's so cool to see certain waves happen within that, even though, like you said, none of the bands sound alike, that we're all kind of, you know, popping off and releasing records before the pandemic. But then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, I, I guess we do need to pay attention to yeah. what Northern California is doing. We, we definitely worked really hard. And we kind of like, w- in some ways, I feel like we like forced it. We're like, you're going to pay attention to us, whether you like it or not, you know, like, we we made it happen with like i mean our shows like the rbs show alone like everybody put so much work into that and really like it paid off because people are paying attention and i think that's really cool and i don't think that's just cool because it's my scene i think it's cool because it's any scene and it's subculture and like i am a big supporter of that i love that you know mhm well I, and i think it's cool too what hard work and a concerted effort can show for it you know yes of course it's really cool to have these viral videos of you know you guys playing in a parking lot and people you know lighting off fireworks or whatever but just the idea of like we can make this happen in a parking lot and 2000 kids show up like this is weird but cool it's totally nuts i mean the same day we did like a we did a merch pop-up at my friend cole who who does like print head he has like a print shop and he prints all the merch for a majority of the bands in the Bay Area. He's incredible. Um, but we did a pop-up for the merch of all the bands playing the RBS show. 
uh, earlier in the day. And there was a line around the block of like kids I have never seen before. And that was like kind of the moment that it was like the other shoe dropped of like, oh, like people are serious about us. And, right. and, and not, not, a, not us as in like scowl, but us as in like the Bay Area. Like I look at all my friends and I'm like, damn, we, we kind of like, we did this. Like, and it's such a cool moment seeing everybody kind of realize that in their own way. Yep. And it's, it's been, it's been really beautiful. I, I think it's really sweet and I'm just like enjoying it. Yeah, no, you, you should, because I, I mean, not only should you, because you have, you know, put in the work to it, but just being able to witness, you know, no matter how, you know, long the kids are sticking around, so to speak, it's like just the ability to galvanize that moment and to like point, I mean, it's the same idea when obviously bands play fests and there's that, you know, like, of course, the headliners are always going to be interesting, but it's like those bands that play either early or the middle of the day that have to, quote unquote, prove themselves to be like, oh, my gosh, like that band got a huge reaction. That was like their coming out party in the same way. That's exactly what, you know, you probably felt with the RBS show. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we as a band, like, have been going through some of that in general. You know, we've been on these tours. We're opening really cool tours and opening, like, shows for bands that like, like supporting bands that got me into hardcore and, and it's such a like, okay, I really have to step it up right now. Like kind of moment, you know? And for that show specifically, that was the very first show we ever played. That was like, okay, this is a big deal. You guys like we need to play good. And we're all punks, you know, we're all like, we're not very good at playing music. So we like leading up to RBS, we just like practiced every day like so hard we practice so often like we can't afford not to practice as a band so we've just been pushing and pushing and pushing and it hasn't really stopped after that it it's like we just did a tour with Touche Amore and Vane and Military Gun which are all like incredible bands and like incredible musicians in those bands and then there's us and I was just so blown away every night because we would play and I'd be like holy crap, we just did that. And then I watched three amazing bands, like just, I, it was, it was just insane, insane. Like it was very intense to experience and it was like such a cool experience, but there is that like stepping up to the plate and, and feeling like, okay, the eyes are on me right now, you know? Right. We can't suck. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't suck. I, I have to do good. <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> well, and I, I think that, a lot of that comes from the, you know, nervous excitement of yeah. being able to play in front of people where just that idea that w when being on tour, you know that people are going to show up, whether it's 100 or 200 or 300, it doesn't matter. You know that people are going to be there. So like that takes the quote unquote pressure off you. But at the same yeah. time, it applies that idea of like, all right, well, I, I got to impress some people, um, yeah. you know, just from simply not sucking. <laughs> Yeah, I I have to do my best to not suck every day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I gotta I gotta take this seriously, whatever that may mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's hard, that's hard for us to do as a band because we're we're pretty um we we were all raised on Jackass and CKY and just we we can't take much seriously. Right. Well, I I do think that there is that built in 
mechanism with, you know, punk and hardcore and DIY in general of like, yes, you want to be earnest and take things seriously, but not too seriously, Yes, but, but not to the point of where it makes it, you know, detrimental to the art that you're creating. So it's that weird, you know, kind of like, line. there's a yeah. little line to walk. And sometimes you just, you fall in on one side or the other and you might ruffle some feathers or you just, you might be a little disappointed at the end of the day, but it, it's just part of it. I think that's just, that's what's punk about it. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, like I'm just figuring it out. We're all figuring it out. Yep. Totally. Totally. <laughs> well, and putting the focus on you as an individual, I know you were, uh, you know, born and raised outside Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've definitely gone through the uh, biographical nature yeah. of every single interview that yeah. you have done, <laughs> but it's really complicated to explain. Yeah. And, and that's why I always, I just get kind of embarrassed. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a small town. It really doesn't matter. totally and it's like especially too where people that you know don't live in the state where it's just like oh sacramento like yeah that's uh you know i've I've heard of that that's like the state capital right it's like yeah yes and then just you know 30 minutes outside that people are like oh i didn't really realize there was anything else going on outside of that california is just a really weird place it absolutely is. It's, uh, you know, being from Southern California, it's just like the, the dividing line between, you know, the, the hella line, as I'd like to call yeah, it within, yeah. <laughs> it's like, once you get above Bakersfield, that's where hella and hyphy starts to exist. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and so what was your family structure like growing up? Like, uh, mom and dad in the house, brother and sister, what did, uh, you have that look? Um, it was, I mean, I had my mom and my dad and my sister. Um, I'm the youngest, so I'm the baby. Um, and everyone was always around and it was, it was cool that way. We, my mom is, um, she's German. She grew up in Germany and moved over here in the eighties, met my dad over there, but he's American. So they moved back to America after getting married in Germany. And, um, so some of the, some of the way that I grew up culturally was like slightly different just because of how she was raised and she was raised to really value family and family time. So I spent a lot of time, um, every night was like a sit down dinner, things like that. Um, my mom is a really big supporter of me and the things I love. Um, you know, she's, she is, uh, just such a, She's she's a hilarious woman. I <laughs> Right. <laughs> she is hilarious and she's she's just this little German lady who like she anytime that she's around me and the band like she's just so happy and so happy to support anything we do and she thinks it's so cool, which is like so different from when I was like a teenager and she and I did not get along at all. So I think it's like really hilarious because I've kind of turned her into this like punk rock mom. Um, and I love it. It's super cool. And then my dad, he's a really um, stoic person. So he and I, you know, we had a relationship when I was a kid, but I was kind of scared of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he would take me hunting on my birthday, things like that. Um, so we we had a relationship and I just wanted I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be like the tomboy kid. Cause he didn't have any boys. It was just me and my sister and my mom. And 
I wanted really badly to like kind of be this tough little kid growing up and kind of prove that to him. And I don't know if he ever picked up on that, but he, you know, he would take me out hunting, take me shooting and we'd do that kind of thing. And then um, now it's really cool because we try really hard to call each other and talk to each other. And I try to fill him in on my life. And he, uh, he told me he was very proud of me um, because we are playing these really cool shows coming up with uh, Limp Biscuit, and we're playing at Madison Square Garden. And both my parents were just like, that's like, they were so proud. And I don't think I, I wasn't much to be proud of as a teenager. Um, so I think this is just a big deal for them. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, yeah, you get you get to see, especially too, because it's yeah. not like you could really describe anything from a, you know, DIY show perspective. Exactly. So it's like, oh, wait, you're playing with Limp Biscuit, a band I've heard of yeah. at a place I have heard of like Cat, you made it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really proud of me. And they, they really do love me so much. And it's really sweet because it was I I mean, full transparency, I had a very challenging time living with them as a a kid and a teenager. And there's, you know, it's not easy for any young person growing up and, and like feeling angsty or anything like that. Um, But there was challenges, but I'm really grateful that I'm at a point in my life right now with like my family that I have like a solid relationship and I feel the love and my sister is also like a huge supporter of me and she loves me so much. She's my best friend. We've always been close and it was really awesome. But in some ways I kind of grew up like a latchkey kid growing up on YouTube because my parents were always busy working. My sister was always busy doing some sort of like after school sports or, or something. And I was just kind of left, left your own devices. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of how I got into like punk music and, and metal and like heavy music. I just discovered stuff on the internet and I was like, I like this, you know, and it was like my little secret. Rockabilly.com. This is the place where you can buy all of the band merchandise you can shake a stick at. Trust me, go to that website, use this promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10% off of your order. They have been a long time supporter of this very podcast and independent music in general. So you will go there and just be overwhelmed by all of the awesome choices that you have. You'll have to visit the website more than once. I dare you to do it. But all hyperbole aside, they have over 500,000 items for you to sort through, have fun with. They offer posters, scarves, hoodies, long sleeve t-shirts. You name it, they got it, and they will ship it to you lickety-split. All amazing customer service. Just a, a incredible offer that they give to you because on top of all of that it's all officially licensed band merch so the bands get paid on it everybody wins in this scenario including you if you use the promo code 100 words or less 10 percent off your order thank you for your continued support rockabilia the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all carry around different things that stress us out right like maybe it's something really really small like man that parking space it's always taken and i wish that i would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate 
I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Yeah, well, and, and you don't say, Kat, you had uh, problems with your parents as a teenager. So weird. <laughs> that never happens to anybody. What a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially, too, where it's like, I, I, I'm sure because of these, um, you know, different aspects of your life and like everybody is going through trying to find their identity at that age, yeah. like, you know, you got your dad wanting you to participate in sort of, you know, tomboy-ish yeah. activities and then you know, the, the, there's just a lot going on there. So I, I totally yeah. understand. Yeah, it was it was very confusing and complicated for someone, for a young person. But now I look back and I'm like super fond of like all the different aspects to my childhood. Like, I mean, I think most people my age hopefully would have that ability to reflect on their childhood and, and like just be grateful for the experiences they had and, and the things that they got to like interact with and discover about themselves and like you know i don't know yeah very vague but yeah well no i understand what you're saying just the ability to have the context of i'm sure you know small town life versus you know living in santa cruz living in sacramento like all of those are very valuable pieces that you pick up along the way of just like this is what a small town is like mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is the difference between that and living in a larger city and yeah i totally understand yeah and so on that notion what kind of a uh, kid were you as you started to go into you know junior high and high school and stuff like that were you you know an art girl were you like trying to play sports where were you on the spectrum there oh man i tried everything because um, okay. I really wanted to figure it out, but I just had a hard time. Um, I was kind of weird, to be honest. Like, I know that sounds silly, but um, I was a horse girl. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I like, spent most of my time, um, I rode horses, and I did that as a job until I was, like, 19 years old. So it was something I spent, like, all of my free time doing. And it was something I put a lot of my time and like a lot of myself into. So most of my friends were girls who also rode horses, but I was kind of embarrassed about it because I was into like, I wanted to be into cool things. And I also wanted to be into like punk rock and, and like, you know, and it felt like I couldn't be all those things at once at that age. So I was really, really confused. Um, and just like trying to find niche interests that made sense for me was like a challenge. Um, and I, I kind of had a hard time keeping friends like at school. So through high school, I actually, I ended up doing like independent 
studies. Like I did like basically homeschool and I didn't really have much of a social life. Right. And you were, you, yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate the description of yeah. <laughs> a, a horse girl because I, I do think that, uh, you know, you, you for sure have, because that, that sport and uh, I'm fair to call it, like, that's fair to call it a sport, it's, right? It's totally a sport. I mean, I, I damaged my body like, and did a lot. I worked extremely hard doing it. Like it was something that really took all aspects of my life and my physical body to do. Right. And so I, I think that because that sport is, I mean, like most is very all encompassing, but that is a very specific one where you are clearly not doing it at school. You have to go to the stables that are usually, you know, far away. And it's not like anybody is watching you participate in this. So it's even more esoteric for your peers at school to be like, what do you mean you're going to like a competition? What, what does this mean? Cat? <laughs> Yeah, no, I would like leave school for a couple days to go do like competitions. And I didn't really know how to talk about it because I was embarrassed because I wanted to be like, you know, I, I all the things that I'm interested in now, I was interested in my own way back then, too. But I was also doing like I was also riding horses and I was also there was just a lot of aspects to my life that I felt kind of shy about. And so I didn't really feel like I could be that close to a lot of people and feel like they were going to have my back and not like judge me for being weird basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I like went through like classic teenage, like liking weird things. Like I liked anime and I liked, um, like the, I would get really into books, like certain book series, like things like that. I, I would get into like kind of dorky things and I, it just, it was hard to relate to other people at the time because everyone was just kind of trying to be cool or something. And, and I had my, my point of doing that, but I just, I didn't, it didn't make sense for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was all weird. It was so weird. Well, I, I, I think that is not only appropriate for subcultures because like you can get, especially as a young adult, you start to get into these things and you can't describe necessarily why you like them. You're just like, listen, I really like, you know, vampire fan fiction. Yeah. So like, I love this and leave yeah. me alone, but yeah. I can't, it, you know, unless you're finding other people on the internet to be able to connect yeah. with, it's not like you're bringing it to school and be like, Oh guys, I just, you know, I wrote a novel last night about yeah. this and the people would be like, what the hell are you doing cat? This doesn't make any sense. Exactly. I mean, I was so like when I was a teenager, I was really into like videography and photography of my horses like weird weird kid stuff I could not talk to anyone about it but I was really into it and I got so into it that now like I have the skills of like being able to like edit videos but it's sure. because of this weird thing I did when I was a teenager because I didn't have friends like I right and I it's hard to talk about that stuff because I don't really feel like a lot of people relate and it makes me sound insane. So, <laughs> no, I I think that anybody that gets into those type of uh, things, whether it's you know something that is less than common from a you know especially a sports perspective, where it's just like you know what do you mean like you like golf and people are just yeah. like what the hell like you know yeah oh okay you're into football or baseball or basketball like I get that but once you start to go down the rabbit hole, um, I have to ask. Who, uh, what was the name of your favorite horse? Uh, like, like a horse that I rode? Yeah. Um, well, 
I have, I got, I had this horse. Um, sorry, this is like, I, his name was Socks, spelled S-O-X. I've had him since he was a baby and I got him when I was 10 years old. Wow. And he is now owned by the sweet girl named Lucy and she rides him and he's now 16 years old. Amazing. Yep. Um, he's my baby though. I love him so much. Um, horses are very, very expensive. So if you decide you don't want to ride anymore and participate in that and like don't have time, you have to sell them, which is yep. the most heartbreaking thing ever. Um, it, it just sucks. It's like if you have a dog or a cat and you love them, they're your best friend, but because of how expensive and challenging it is, like you, you just can't keep them. Um, but Lucy takes great care of socks. He's a sweetheart and I can go see him whenever I'd like if I, whenever I go home. So it's a good situation. That's beautiful. Pre- yeah. appre- appreciate that. Cause I, yeah. I know, yeah. Anytime you talk to a person that, you know, has a relationship with an animal that's that deep, it's like, oh yeah, of course you have a favorite one. Of course you have your own. So he, he was my baby. I love him so much. So that, that's good. Well, I, I, considering the fact that you have the photography slash videography skills, like I don't see why socks can't make an appearance in some sort of scowl media. Just saying, <laughs> we'll, we'll just saying. See. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't want to like, I'm exposing myself right now for being right. You don't want to cross the streams. I get it. I get like, a cat. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm a little bit, it's like, I'm getting to a point though, where I think that at the end of the day, I'm a horse girl and I'm proud. <laughs> Hell, I, I seriously wave that flag because yeah. I think that 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 is a important aspect. Obviously, you as a human, and then you know, like there's especially now where it's like there used to be such a level of judgment that got weighed on people that you know, especially like the dividing line between you know sports and punk and hardcore, where yeah. it's like, oh, you can't like that now. That doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> like, matter. You no. can you can definitely be a jock and and like hardcore. <laughs> Of course, right. And the, as long as the, you know, sort of alpha male mentality stays out of it, like, yeah. you know, you can still, you can, yes, you can like football and still be into, you know, hardcore. Yeah. I know that's been normalized many times <laughs> over, but still. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. So a, as you were kind of developing your music taste, I mean, I know that you referenced yeah. like your, in other interviews, you've spoken about like, you know, the Beatles and like your, the music that your parents were yeah. giving you. yeah. As you started to explore your, I mean, because it sounds like you were probably just dipping around YouTube. Uh, oh, were yeah. you dipping into MySpace as well? Or what? where was the, I guess, oh, influence coming from? A little bit of MySpace. I was kind of, I caught the tail end of it because my sister, she's like three years older than me. She had a MySpace and I was, she was kind of like, oh, you need to make a MySpace. So I did that. I didn't really, um, I didn't, I made a MySpace when I was like in fifth grade and there was no other kids I knew my age who had MySpace. Right. So there wasn't much of a connection, but I, it was about the time when I was started to discover like, um, like emo and scene and yep. the fact that there was music attached to that. And I was like, well, I want to look like that. And so it was kind of like classic MySpace, like selfies. And then maybe putting like, like a hello goodbye song, you know, oh, hell on yeah. my page. Like, um, and so I kind of like discovered stuff that way. It was like, I'd go on YouTube and find like some random thing. Like uh, it was like always like metalcore or pop punk or just like just cringy music, honestly, <laughs> like looking back on it. But um, don't you dare, don't you dare come for here in my arms as being no, a cheesy song. Honestly, no way. Here in my arms is really good. Here in yeah. my arms, I wish 
I wish I wrote here in my arms. Great <laughs> yes. Song. Yes. Respect. Respect. But the, and so you were sampling around a lot of this and just, yeah. you know, kind of diving in headfirst to a lot of this, this music. I mean, yeah. yes, of course you can look back at it and call it cringe, but you were just liking it because yeah. you were interested in the style or whatever. When did you, you know, because I know that you've articulated before that it wasn't until you're, you know, 17, 18 years old towards the tail end of school where you started to like go to shows and stuff like that. Um, What was your, I guess, proverbial life path sort of before that? You know, you knew that you liked music, but was it like, yes, I am going to be working at the stables. Uh, You know, I'm going to follow in the, you know, my parents' footsteps as far as whatever they did, what was the idea there? Um, when I was a teenager, like, like 16, like majority of my teen years, I was like, I liked, um, like bands like Law Dispute and like Touche Amore and Citizen and and things like that. Like I was like kind of getting into that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of it beyond like my Tumblr account though. And my life consisted of riding horses. And I was like, really really into that and I thought that when I was older I was just gonna be a horse trainer and compete and make a living off of that um that shifted when I was about nine well it shifted when I was like 18 because I I just got more and more and more into my art and to music and like I like you brought up like I started going to local shows and like I kind of discovered this punk and hardcore thing more. And, and I really fell in love with it, like really like obsessive. Um, and I've always kind of been this person that's like, if I want it, I will have it. If I believe it's going to happen, it will. If I want to do it, like that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so I kind of was just realizing I wanted to aim my life to be a bit more normal, a bit more structured. I want to, you know, like it, it sucked, but like, I wanted to go work a job that wasn't like riding eight horses a day and shoveling stalls and stuff like that. Um, and I, I grew out of it, you know, I grew out of like not having any days off and, and constantly working in, in the dirt and I got tired of it. Like, I mean, I loved it, but it was just too much to want to enjoy the other aspects of my personality, to be honest. Um, so the the shift kind of happened and it was slow, but I was just, I was going to like kind of local shows and, and like going to warp tours and things like that too. And in my head, I was like, I want to go to more hardcore shows, but I didn't really think of it beyond that. And, um, it, it just like, sorry. Um, it just like, happen like I decided to quit writing I decided to get a job that a a real job and I was just like I'm gonna save up money to move out of here I don't know where I don't know what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna like get more into this music thing I think music is cool but I didn't know if I could play music at the time I didn't really think that was a possibility um until I like met people you know right there was just um, more, there was more out there that you wanted to yeah. explore. I just, yeah. I was tired of feeling like, kind of like as cliche as this sounds, but I just felt like a, in a bird cage. you know, I was like, this isn't really what I want my life to consist of anymore. And I need to break out and I want to like go see what 
is more interesting to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. And like at that time there was like that small, like, Oh God, wouldn't it be so cool to play in a band one day? And that, that like little thought, but I didn't think that would really ever happen. Um, but here we are and it's really cool. <laughs> like I'm really, yeah. happy. <laughs> um, totally. It's, it's awesome. I'm very happy. Were you, um, I mean, I know, like you said, you kind of labeled yourself as a, a, a weird, you know, girl as you were, yeah you know, identifying yeah. kind of who you were, yeah. um, were you, um, you know, would you kind of place yourself in the sort of, you know, introvert extrovert world? Like where would you place oh, yeah. yourself in that spectrum? I was a total introvert. Okay. I, I mean, I would come home from school, like, and I would close the door to my room. And if anyone was trying to come in, I would literally yell at them. Right. I, I was like, do not come in my room. Like I did not want anything to do with anyone. I, I know myself now, like I just get really burnt out from social situations. I love being social now. I, I used to be, I was kind of like anti-social as a, as a teenager. Um, in some ways I was just like angry, um, as teenagers are. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I was just, I was introverted. I was like really into the things I was into, if that makes sense. Yep. You were focused on that. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. I just didn't have that much interest in that stuff. I mean, like anything to do with like being a normal teenager, like drinking and partying, like didn't really come till later for me. Sure. Right. <laughs> like, you... like it just didn't happen. Like I was not into that. Right. Yeah. Or you weren't invited. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, it, it was definitely, I was not invited. I was definitely <laughs> not invited. That is accurate. <laughs> right. Right. Fair. And because I, the reason I asked that is because I presume, and I, I know that this is a very, you know, sweeping generalization is most people assume that it's like, oh yes, like cat sings and scowls. So clearly like there's a, you know, no performance anxiety and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yes, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. But, but just like that, that idea of, you know, where people are able to exhibit themselves, you know, in public in a live setting. And then, you know, they get off stage and it's just like, yeah, that was, that was all of my extrovert to yeah, this for the day. That, that was like all of the energy I had that I saved for this. And that's all I'm, I've got. Like, I actually, it's funny that you say that because I had a couple instances on our most recent tour um, where people came up to me and they were just like, oh my gosh, like that was incredible. I loved it. I didn't think that sound was would come out of you. Like, you're so shy. And I was like, yeah, like, uh, thanks. Like, it, it, and that's so sweet. It's such a sweet thing to say. But in my head, I'm just like, so how do I act more cool when I'm not on stage? Like, right. how do, yeah. How do I figure this out? Because I, I just like it's it's so scary. And I honestly, when I'm playing a show, I'm freaking out the whole time. Like, I am in my head, like, oh wow, I probably look stupid right now. Like, I. I, it, it's insane that I've convinced people that I'm not doing that, you know, but that's definitely going on. Yep. No, for <laughs> sure. Especially too, where it's like there, no matter, even in the, you know, DIY punk and hardcore world, there's always this, uh, you know, tokenization of the lead vocalist and like people all pay attention to them oh, yeah. generically speaking. And so just have for you having to kind of navigate that. And then on top of it, you know, I know that, clearly people are going to pay attention to your gender and just be like, yeah. Oh man, like, you know, a chick singer yelling, like that's wild. It's yeah. like, all right, we're still talking about it like that. It's yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> no, you're so right. Like you hit the nail on the head and like, it's hard to even talk about that because I don't want to sound like I feel bad for myself because at the end of the day, like I love playing shows. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I love doing it. But my least favorite thing in the world is having everyone's attention on me. Um, or at least it's the most uncomfortable for me. Sure. So it's like all of that at once. And then you add in this like, well, I might get some oogles because I'm a girl and I might deal with A, B and C because of this situation. And everyone goes through it regardless of their gender. But it is it's it's hard to kind of talk about because I'm just like, uh, this experience is so weird and nobody's acting like it's weird, but it's weird for me, you know, Um, I, I, I can completely understand where you're coming from just because it does. I I think especially in heavy music, I don't care what, you know, iteration of heavy music, there's always that because it is not a common road for people to go down regardless of gender. And then on top of it, you know, even though shows now versus 10 to 20 years ago look so much different as far as it's not just, you know, a sausage fest. It's like, (laughs) Oh, there are females that are, participating in the scene in a real active way and not just like, you know, the person's, you know, girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I, I understand what you're talking about where it's like, all of this can be true at the same time. I feel uncomfortable with everyone paying attention to me, (laughs) but yet this is really fun and I enjoy doing this. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's weird when it's kind of like you get this, this adrenaline and this bliss out of like knowing that you kind of have this power, right? Like everyone's, attention is on you but at the same time like that is a crushing fear like that is uh like I, I literally if I told myself when I was in high school like hey you're doing something every day where everyone in the room is paying attention to you and it's not just like a few people it's like 500 people I would be like no no I, I can't do that there's no- yeah given it given a choice nah I'm fine <laughs> I don't need that but I, I love it, which is even weirder. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I'm going to kind of presume that uh, Scal, for all intent and purposes, is your legitimate first band from this perspective, or oh, did you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, it, I've done like, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I'm sure you did, you know, like little small projects or whatever but nothing that actually like officially put out music and toured and everything like that no nothing i mean i've like you know there's like a spoken word project out there floating around i did when i was like a teenager you know what i mean like Uh, yep just weird stuff like that like i've jammed with people before when i was like in my late teens i was like i want to play in a band but i had no idea what i was doing so yeah this i've never performed like this Right. And since touring is still, you know, pretty fresh and new for you in general, um, are, are, I guess, are the expectations meeting the reality, you know, um, did like, did, do you, did you anticipate tour being different than what you are experiencing or was it pretty much spot on of what you, uh, what you felt like? Um, it's pretty spot on. I, I definitely didn't set myself up for disappointment. I set my expectations very low. Um, I will say the parts of tour that are like more surprising to me right now is like kind of like handling my mental health while on tour. 
that's the kind of thing that took me by more surprise because it's always kind of felt like this like party and this like su- this vacation but now tour is kind of my job and I I've always taken it serious enough but now I have to really take my my self-care the most serious um and and that part's weird that part's like it it kind of surprises me every time that I I find myself kind of emotionally dipping or, or experiencing like, you know, mental health bumps when I'm on the road. Cause my, my idea was like, if I'm doing this then I'm, then I've figured it out, then I'm great. Then I'm good to go. And it's like, no, that that's not how that works. Um, that's been a learning curve. Hey, listen, terror's new record called pain into power is out now. I don't care where you stream music. You need to go do that now. Or even better, buy the physical medium. Vinyl is available at purenoise.net, and you can buy all of the cool stuff that they have there. But no joke, probably one of my favorite terror records ever. It's their eighth record, which their last one was called Total Retaliation. got released in 2018. But they have started to work with their old guitarist, Todd Jones. He helped out with some production stuff. Helped out with some songwriting stuff. To be clear, he's not like rejoining the band, but basically he's like, you guys are all my friends. I like to create with you. Let's go ahead and make some hardcore magic together, which that's exactly what they have done. It's fast. It's furious. It's pissed. It's everything that you know terror to be. So let's listen to a little bit of their title track, Pain Into Power, right now. That is really hard stuff, huh? I, I The word hard just rolls off my tongue very, um, I don't know, not inappropriately, but just it doesn't feel right. Tough, I don't know, heavy, heavy. I think that's what it sounds good coming out of my mouth. Anyways, listen to the new terror record, Pain Into Power. Find it everywhere now and go to purenoise.net to find out more information, order it directly from the label, and go catch them on tour, because that is exactly what Terror does. They release a record, and they tour forever. So thank you very much to Pure Noise, and thank you to Terror for being a great band. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. how is it manifesting itself? Like, like, do you, is it the, I guess, withdrawn nature where it's like, okay, I need to have my quote unquote alone time. Or is it the idea of, I wish I could be at home, even though I've got another three weeks and like, not that you're absolutely miserable on tour because there's always that, you know, razor's edge where it's like one day, I mean, just like a normal person where it's yeah. like, 
oh, one day I don't want to show up to work. And it's like, exactly. I wish I didn't have to play a show today, but I got to. So how's it manifesting itself in your head? Um, I love being on tour. I do not want to go home. In fact, I feel worse towards the end knowing that I have to go home. Sure. So that That is one thing. The other aspect being, I just, uh, I do need my alone time. I, I try really hard to like pay attention, like so much attention to myself and like what messages I'm receiving from my like body and my mental health on tour. So like if I know, like I'm feeling eggy, I'm feeling kind of weird, I can go take a walk alone. Like that's, that's, I definitely handle it well, like that will happen. But to be honest, the main way it manifests itself is I get these weird dips, right? Like lately after we play, we'll, we'll play a set and I'll come off stage and I'll just feel like for some reason so bad. And it sucks because like, that's a weird experience for me. That's never happened before. So I'm, I'm like, maybe this is like some sort of dopamine, like dip you know, or something like that. Um, and I've just realized, like, I just need to make an effort to, like, be mindful after a set of, like, who I'm around, what I do right right after the set, and, and try to, like, think of all the good things that happened during it in that day so I feel very, like, positive. Sure. If that makes any sense. It's, it's a really weird experience, and I don't know if I'm alone in it or not. I honestly haven't talked to that many people about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's new for me. I'm, I've, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just an adrenaline drop. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that, I mean, the fact that you are cognizant of your own mental well-being and health, like I know people generically speaking, pay attention to it, but you kind of going into this experience with your eyes wide open will hopefully make that overall experience for however long you tour yeah. more sustainable. Cause I do think that there is that idea of just like, oh, I I just want to tour. Like that's like the yep. the goal. And then once you're out there, you're only paying attention to be like, oh, well, I'm on tour, so I should be happy. It's like, well, I mean, not always. Like yeah. <laughs> you gotta maintain exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, and honestly, that was my like my whole thing for a while was like, I just want to tour. I just want to tour. And I still feel that way. I love touring. But I need to make sure to take care of myself while I'm doing it. And I, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. I, I make sure like one way or another, I'm going to eat one way or another. I'm going to sleep one way or another. Like I'm going to get my alone time when I need it. Right. And, like, like try to keep up on some sort of routine. I think that's the, the biggest challenge for anyone who's very like methodical in, in their daily life and routine based and really takes, uh, enjoys their alone time. It's just making sure you have a routine. Yeah, there's nothing more valuable than, uh, you know, going for an hour long walk to get coffee on tour. It's literally the best. Total, total lifesaver. That's like, I look forward to that. And if I can get up before the, the dudes, like, if I can get up earlier and go do that kind of thing, I'm so stoked. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I think most people can relate to that. Like, just when you get that moment alone. And then it makes you, real, like, really, really appreciate the time, like, in the van and spending time with everyone who's supposed to be your best friends, like, a lot more, you know? Because you're not just, like, excited for the next moment you get away from them. Sure, right. You can actually miss them because yeah. you're away from them, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. 
I, I think the, you know, the, a lot has been paid attention also to the fact that it's like, oh, you know, like a cat is fashionable. <laughs> yeah. Just, you, you like to express yourself where, um, you know, it, through your clothing and the way that, you know, it's not just like a simple, you know, t-shirt and jeans scenario, like every other person that plays in the band, which is, you know, I, I think is part of the reason that a lot of people are attracted to the band. Not only is the music good, but that there's just, uh, for lack of a better term, something interesting to look at where it's like, oh, wow. Um, when did fashion kind of, I guess, present itself to you? Like, have you always been interested in, um, you know, dressing either, you know, extremely feminine, you know, uh, extremely, uh, you know, male centric? Like, have you just always enjoyed kind of dabbling in fashion as it were? Absolutely. I will say, okay. like, I think it started like, I thought it was cool and tough when I was like a kid, like a young kid to be like, not girly and to not care about like washing my hair or like I wanted to wear boy clothes and I, I wanted to be like a tomboy. So I didn't really care at all. I thought I was like, ew, pink. Like I didn't want anything to do with that. And then I kind of had a moment when I got really on the internet as like, like an 11 or 12 year old and discovered like, you know, like, emo kids and scene kids and like that kind of like way of expressing yourself. And so I thought that was really cool for a while. And then it kind of like manifested itself through the years, like on Tumblr, I was, I was really obsessed with Tumblr and anyone who used it at the time that it was kind of at its peak popularity can rec like can speak for the fact that like it had a huge impact on like, you know, youth fashion and I paid a lot of attention to that. And like, I would try to find these pieces that like I would see on Tumblr, like that I was blogging about. Um, and I couldn't find them anywhere near me because where I grew up, there was, you know, it, it was just everything was behind. And so like, maybe I'd get like to go on a trip to San Francisco and I'd find like a pair of shoes that I saw on Tumblr or like, you know, this or that, or, or buy something online, like with Christmas money, whatever. Um, so I was always interested in fashion, like, very interested, just didn't really know how to play around with it, with the, uh, like, with what I had at the time, you know? And, like, now that I'm an adult, I have this, like, kind of idea where it's, like, I have my own money to spend. I have my own way to get this stuff however I like, whether that be making it myself or, like, buying it. Um, if I have an idea, like, I want to make it happen. Um so it's always been something I've been really interested in and I just kind of want to play dress up whenever I want. And right. <laughs> like, like, and, and I think that's cool. Like I think anyone in their adult life maybe has had that moment in one way or another with like, Oh, I can eat what I want. I can go wherever I want. Like it's my money. Like I can dress how I want. I can buy what I want. Like it's, it's cool. Like I love taking advantage of that. Um, and yeah, it's li it's it's. I'm sure in many respects, it's liberating for you to be yeah. able to. I mean, not only with fashion, but you know, with your makeup choices. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, like I, I really um, am hoping and praying that because I, I, I think in general, and you know, you can follow along with this theory with me. But you know, in general, like punk and hardcore, like yes, they do get you know more mainstream coverage than we ever have as a oh, collective yeah. scene. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I look at all of the stuff that, um, you know, whatever, like Japanese breakfast, Phoebe Bridgers, and like, you know, they're getting like fashion spreads. And I was like, 
Right. And it is awesome. I would just like, man, it would be great, obviously, if, you know, the more aggressive music were to be able to, you know, break into those mainstream publications and be like, oh, yeah, here's a, you know, a spread with uh, Cat from Scowl. I'd be like, man, that like that would just be so cool as a scene in general, because yeah. I think everybody can, you know, in the way that everyone cheers about turnstile, whereas like people can look at you and be like, oh, this is great. Like, She's wearing a, you know, a cool ass thing in this magazine. And like, that's a hardcore band in there. That's awesome. If I was ever offered to go <laughs> do like some shoot for like Vanity Fair with like, like dressed in like fucking Vivian Westwood or like vintage Gucci, I would literally lose my mind. Yeah. Hell yeah. Lose my <laughs> goddamn mind. Like if that ever happened, we will, we need to talk again and be like, Yep, we manifested it. We manifested it because, oh my God, that is such a dream. Like, I hope, I I hope to high heavens that, that, that I get to do that or someone in, like, people involved in our, our aspect of subculture get the opportunity to do that because that is so cool. Totally. To me, that is like literally so cool. So it's actually really funny you bring that up because I, I like literally daydream about that happening. Oh, hell yeah. But I don't really like, of course, I never, ever want to set myself up for disappointment. No. I just love, I'm just happy with anything coming my way. Um, right. But if well, yeah, well, ever an opportunity, I would literally <laughs> lose my mind. Like totally. something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're putting it out there and then, yeah. you know, hopefully eventually, fingers crossed, it does happen. So then, yeah. We, yeah, we can reflect on this conversation and be like, wow, I remember that day. Yeah. Yeah. But- <laughs> I would cry. I mean, like, like I said, like fashion is really, really important to me. And it's something I'm really invested in as a art form and as like a extension of myself. And like, I'm just happy that I feel confident enough to like include that with the band as well. Because when the band started, I kind of had this idea of doing that, but like, I was really shy of doing it. Like, cause nobody's ever like, you know, like look at pop stars and even like certain indie artists, like they'll wear like eccentric outfits or whatever, but nobody in hardcore has really ever done that too much. I mean, I could be wrong. So don't, I, I don't know. I'm Yeah. Don't, don't come at you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just scary though. It's scary to be like doing something a little different and knowing that some people are going to look at that and be like, oh, not for me. And that's so okay. Like I do not mind that. Um, but it, it's scary. And so I like going forward with doing that was like, or like trying to make a habit of doing that was, was kind of intimidating. And there was some like questionable choices for sure in there where I look back and I'm like, Ooh, why did I wear that? Um, yeah, but it, it's just, but you tried. Yeah. yeah. You put it out there. Right. I yeah. And, and, and I, and I think that that is important, especially as you look at, you know, your, a longer arc where it's like, oh yes, like maybe the choice I made seven years ago in the same way that, you know, bands that have existed for 10 years and look back in their first full length, they're yeah. just like, oh my gosh, it was terrible. And it's like, no, it, w- it was the start of your journey. So yeah, exactly. I <laughs> do. It's like, it's definitely like that with like the demo for us. I like look back and I'm like, Ooh, but at the <laughs> same time, I'm like starting to get a little bit more of an appreciation for it where I'm like, no, we, we did something here. Like this is right. Thing, you know? Yeah, the building blocks were there. Yeah. Uh, t- 
two last things I want to hit on was the, uh, you know, the idea that, uh, again, people pay attention to, um, you know, Scal aesthetically and musically, obviously, as well. But just the the fact that no one can not mention the, the fact that there are flowers that existing oh, within yeah. the band. And, um, you know, I mean, clearly you are, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants of other bands that have used that Absolutely. as a, right. It's like, you know, from Pavement and, you know, Give and everybody else. So, but is it, I'm sure it's fun for you to have that kind of um, interaction with people that view that as, you know, either revolutionary, like, or you are the first time, your, your aesthetic is the first time that someone is seeing that, you know, kind of juxtaposition of like heavy music and, you know, soft imagery. Uh, so is that fun for you to kind of get that feedback? I think it's really cool. I, it's, it's like, it is, it's really fun in some ways and in other ways it's not because I don't want, I, I think it's, I don't think we're reinventing the wheel by any means. I think what we are doing though is like really embracing something that like feels authentic to us. And I think it's vulnerable and I think some people feel threatened by that. And so it's fun until people feel threatened and, I just have to like make sure to keep it like not, not let it get to me if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on, on the other aspect of like someone feeling like we're, we're like chain, like we, this is the first band that's ever done this or whatever. Like, I think that's really cool that for some people, like we're, we're doing something really, um, I, I don't know, like, like that, that might be really important. And I think that's like an honor, but at the same time, like, I don't want to take responsibility or take on like, like the, uh, God, I wish I knew the word. I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not trying to wear the cape. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't want to be the mouthpiece for that. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just happy doing what I'm doing and, and that's how it's been this whole time. And I think it's really cool that people relate at the end of the day or that people fuck with it because like that's I mess. I like it. I fuck with it. So it's like, cool word, you know? Yep. Um, but it, it's a lot to carry in one way or another. If, if people kind of like personalize with it in a negative way. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, that's just part of it. That's to be expected. And I've, I've learned to handle that better, like within myself and to not like take it personal or, or really like make an effort to hold value to that feedback, you know? Right. That's not it. That's out of your control. Yeah. But it it is really cool in some ways to be like, to have someone like a young girl perhaps will come up to me at a show and she'll be like, you're like, you inspired me. Like, I love your band. I love what you do. Like, it's so inspiring the way you dress and your makeup. And that is so cool because that stuff is really, like, I put in so much effort into all that stuff. So for someone who, like, to come up to me and recognize me for that is, like, the coolest feeling in the world. Right. Well, and to your point, it's like, it has to start somewhere. Like, not just the idea that, you know, someone can be burst out of nothing and be immediately cool. It's like, no, like <laughs> no. you, you have to understand like, and part of that introduction process is, you know, if people get into Scal as being their, you know, first punk and hardcore band, and then they're able to go backwards and forwards from there, like yeah. that is so exciting and liberating because you are happening at that very moment. And that is 
what is literally the most important thing that a person can experience. Yeah. I mean, and I always, I always try to think about myself and when I was younger and like when I was scared to talk to bands because I thought they were just so cool and I loved what they were doing. And I try to look at it from that point of view. And I'm just like, everything gets a lot easier when I think about it like that. Like I just, it makes everything so much more wholesome and good and like for the right reason, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's approachable because I mean, you're not that far removed from being that person, but at the same, (laughs) and at the same time, you're also, you understand how meaningful any of those interactions when you first started to go to shows were, where it's just like, oh man, I got the, the cosine from a person who's, you know, two years older than me, but feels like they're like 40 years older than me yep. because they've been going to shows for so much longer or whatever. Well, and, so. and like, you know, the people I met when I first started coming to shows, like who are my friends now, like are really important people to me because to me, they were like, I looked up to them. I was like, they must know everything about punk music. You know, like I can't, like I would look forward to a show where I knew I would get to talk to them for 10 minutes, you know? So it, it is very valuable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the last and albeit maybe the most important question, um, you know, how on a scale of one to 10, you know, how sad are you that Saturn cafe no longer exists? Oh man. I, I know people have problems with it because I, I mean, as a person living in Southern California that, you know, played many shows in the Santa Cruz area, like that was just always such a, you know, you, you, you play a show and then you can go to Saturn cafe afterwards. You're just like, Oh my gosh, like this is unbelievable. And then, Oh my gosh, there's Davey havoc there or whatever. But right. I understand the last couple of years, there was, there was a lot of um, sort of behind the scenes issues with it. So, you know, I'm not going to pretend yeah. that there's unblemished, but you know, it, it, it was a legendary spot for many years. For, for being a San- someone who lives in Santa Cruz, I miss it 10 out of 10. I am so heartbroken. It's gone. Right. Um, For someone who like, a vegan restaurant enjoyer, mm, like, a, yeah. like, like, fair, a, fair, fair. But as a Santa Cruz, like, there's nothing for me to eat in this town, kind of person. Like, bring it back. Like, yep, have an option. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah. It is so bizarre. Like Santa Cruz, the city that is, you know, founded on hippies and surfers right. and counterculture thinking, you would think that there would be more. I know there are options up there, but it definitely is so weird where it's not just like really commonplace. It's weak compared to San Jose or San Francisco and Oakland, you know, or even Sacramento, like at this point. Yeah, that's oh. true. I, yeah, I, I, it's been a minute since I've been to Sacramento, but yeah, no, it's it's very true. But especially just like that community seems so, where it's like you you would think that like at the mystery spot they would have like a vegan cafe next to it. <laughs> you would think. I don't know what's going on with the hippies there, though. That's true. It's true. Well, <laughs> the obviously, it's a mystery there. spot for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Kat, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really do appreciate you letting me, uh, you know, take you through your life and uh, reflect on it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much to Kat for coming on the podcast and her publicist, Alexa. Always got to give credit to where credit is due for people doing the work. Next week, I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Scott Vogel from Terror. You've heard me talking about Terror Record, the Terror, the new Terror Record that just came out called Pain into Power over the past couple of weeks. And um, normally I try not to have repeat guests on this show because, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of opportunities to discuss their experiences. But it had been 
when I counted it, it was about eight years since I had last talked to Scott on this particular podcast. And clearly, a lot of time has passed since then. And he actually reveals something very, very interesting about our first podcast, which I'm going to go ahead and tease you. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You have to listen to it next week. But yeah, Scott Vogel from Terror and World Be Free, all the cool stuff that he's done. So I have him on the show next week, and I'm incredibly excited to bring that to you. So tell your friends or tell your family or maybe maybe they don't like terror, but I don't know. You can tell them because Scott is an engaging conversation regardless. So until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.